Father, we look to you, Lord, this morning. We look to you because not only you have the words of life, you are our life. So this morning, Father, we just want to thank you once again because we are all here. And all those who are listening online, we are there because we have life. And that life comes from you. Both to the Jew, the Gentile and the church, the life we breathe comes from you. We just want to thank you, Father. This morning I want to commit everyone into their hands, especially, Lord, those who are not well, even among us, in our churches, plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. We stand on your promise. It's a finished fact that by your stripes we were healed. This morning we receive it as bread from our Father's table, our healing, our protection, our provision, above all, the grace to overcome. We receive it by faith, Lord. Help us to hear, help us to understand, help us to believe, and above all, help us to obey. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. First we turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded man. Okay, so, if you turn with your Bible, not now, I'm saying if you turn with your Bible whenever you read it, remember this is what we call the the law of first mention. Right? And you will see. It's the first command God gives man. Okay. First command God gives man. And God says, Every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall die. That's how humanity begins. With just one voice speaking to them. There is no confusion. There's no confusion. There'll be no confusion in our life if the voice that we hear is the voice of God. Because there is no shadow of turning with me. He's not confusing. He never will confuse you. Never have to worry about it. He will never will confuse you. And when he speaks... The choice is also very clearly defined. You may eat freely, all this. You don't have the freedom to eat this. Meaning you have the freedom, but if you eat it, you will lose your freedom. You eat all this, you will always be free. Your freedom won't be taken away. So you will see there is one voice, two choices. One voice, two choices. And the issue has to be, you know, because on Sunday we were looking at choices. Actually, I wanted to title this as Voices and Choices. So today you shall hear voices. And decide on your choices. Because you will never make a choice unless there is a voice before that. Okay. So in chapter 3 of Genesis and verse 1, voice number 2 appears. And the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said, and he said, And if you listen carefully to him, his voice will contradict what God has said. Okay? And when man believes his voice and falls, 
His flesh takes a shape of that voice he listened. The voice of your flesh is the voice of the devil. Remember that. The flesh is not your body. Never misunderstand that. The flesh is a spiritual entity that resides in your body. Okay? The flesh. Can you see your soul? No, you can't. It's a spiritual entity. Can you see your flesh? No, the works of the flesh. So God needs the body. The devil needs the body. Without the body, neither God, neither God nor the devil work in or through man. The entity the devil uses is called the flesh. The entity God uses is the spirit which speaks to the soul or the flesh that speaks to the soul. In the soul is your reason, your will and your emotions. Ultimately, the most important part of your being is your will. There is no will, there is no choice. So animals don't have wills, they don't choose. They don't choose. They have instincts which God has put in there. They don't have a will like us. They can't choose. If an animal had a brain, a reason and a will like ours, we can't subdue animals. We can make the elephant do monkey tricks. You know the power and the strength of an elephant when it goes mad, you see what damage it can do. Okay, But it does not have the reason or the will. Only man has. So keep that in mind. In verse 6, as soon as a second voice comes in, how you see life changes. When woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable. Desire comes in now. Okay? Now this is not the desire of God. Jesus told the Pharisees, the desires of your father, the devil you do. So all our desires are not kosher. They are not from God. The Lord of desires in us which are from the devil. And everything looks different now. Before she heard voice number two, when she looked at the same tree, it didn't look the same way. It looked different to the inward eye, not to the outward eye. Outward eye, it still remains the same. Okay? It's not the outward eye. It's the inward. Let's think about the, the fruit was not an apple, but let us say it was an apple. It's a Myth that it was an apple, that's why this is called Adam's apple. Okay, but it's not an apple. But imagine, you look at an apple, red, looks so nice. Okay, looks. And he says, wow. And then somebody says, don't eat it. The other one had too many worms in it. Suddenly it looks different. But has the apple actually looking different outwardly? No. It is the information that caused you to see it differently. Okay. It's information. So, outwardly the fruit hasn't changed. Inwardly, your inward vision has changed depending upon the voice you received. So, please remember, be careful of voices because we make our choices based on those voices. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, to the second generation that is going to overcome the land. Possess. First is possessing. Second is keeping it. Two things are important in life. It's not possessing. You can possess it and lose it. Second generation possessed. Third generation lost. You can possess your healing. You can receive your healing and lose it tomorrow. You can receive your deliverance here and lose it outside. Okay? It's very, it's very, see the problem is not with healing. The problem is walking in your health. That is why Jesus asked this question. Do you want to be made whole? That's the actual question. Not do you want to be made well? Do you want to receive a healing? It's very easy. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to walk in it? There are conditions if you want. 
So the man who was 38 years caught in that. He says, do you want to be made whole? Pick up a mat and walk. He goes to the temple. Jesus meets him there and he says, don't sin. You want to walk in your healing? Listen to what God has said. Obey it. You can keep the healing you received and move further and further into your healing. Be made whole. So in 28 verse 1, this is God is putting in. This is the blessings. Okay, the blessings to Israel he's promising. And the first thing he says is, obey my voice and observe carefully all his commandments. Okay. Obey my voice. Okay. What I speak to you, there are commandments. There are commandments. Okay. And there is the voice of God. Don't detach this both. Okay. Don't detach it. There is a written and there is the spoken. How do you know what is what it is he who is speaking? Because he will not contradict what is written. So he says, you should obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully. Meaning, when you read the word of God, you need to read it carefully and asking, what do you mean by this? Otherwise, we'll be like dummies like the Israelites without understanding the spiritual part of it. Okay, They are not dummies. Their veil was never lifted so they could not understand because the law actually puts a veil over you. Okay, They are muzzling the ox for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and threading which never understood it was connected with ministry. Don't sow two kinds of seed in your fish. You know? Don't have two kinds of yarn in your clothes. They never understood. So they were so careful about the clothes they wore. Basically, it was talking about separation. You are a people separated unto God. Don't mix with the world. They mixed with the world nicely and kept wore separated clothes. That is what God is talking about. Okay? Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice and obey my commandments. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, after they heard the wrong voice, then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And he calls out, Adam, Adam, where are So what happens is that when you know you have not obeyed his voice, First reaction is hide. Church is a very good hiding place. Don't ever think people will not come to church. Oh, they regularly go to church. But they hide from God. They hide from God. Especially if you are in churches like ours, we'll say, why didn't you turn up yesterday? So they come there regularly and hide. What tunes God's voice off? That's why we look at the eyes. That you are not like glazed tiles, no? In verse 9 and 10, God speaks. Then the Lord called him and said, Where are you? The first question God asks is, Where are you? Even this morning, the first question God asks is, Where are you? Now, question he asks Adam, it's a generic question he asks everybody, meaning, wherever we are, is according to whatever voices we listened and whatever choices we made. Take personal responsibility. Whatever voices we heard, whatever choices we made, we are right there. Ultimately, we are the sum total of our choices. Now, the Son of Man is not coming to condemn. 
please remember this in his first coming he does not come to condemn anybody he comes to seek and to save the lost how did we get lost everyone when his own way my own way has my own choices and he comes us to return us to that one way there is life so he has not come to condemn anybody we condemn ourselves you know that we condemn ourselves he says on that the father has committed all judgment into the son's hands but he says the son himself will not judge anybody the word you heard will judge you that day that day when you stand before god god will say you know why you are standing here do you know what you are going to receive do you know why you are going to receive because you heard this and you chose this you heard this and you chose this even though you heard this you chose this the judgment is there and everybody will say you are fair that's basically he's saying see because if you take choice of we are robots we are robots like robots have to be programmed right they don't artificial intelligence and all talk about it but they have to be programmed okay we thought it here they honestly they don't have a will of their own okay the will is in the hands of pastor vijay the robot robotics man. okay he is the one who will do all kind of things with robots okay so here god doesn't do that he doesn't do that get this picture it's very very clearly i heard your voice in the garden what happened between two days yesterday when you heard my voice you ran to me today you heard my voice you're running from me what happened in between did you listen to some voice what happened i mean this has been happening for 6000 years yesterday the little one who came running when the bell rang today he's never not to be seen at all what happened and he opened the door and he asked where is junior no he was not good today okay that's why he's missing nothing has changed the atomic nature continues <laughs> okay so he said i heard your voice in the garden and i was afraid because i was but honestly ask me this question is he naked no they made fig garments right one of the reasons people run away from the voice of god is because that voice of god exposes us that was hebrews 4:12 and 13 says It's exactly that's what the word of God does. The voice of God does. The word of God does. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. And all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's why people run from church. People don't run from all churches. People run from some churches. some churches are mega churches and if you listen to the message is all directed at you and not about god it's propping yourself which is supposed to die in the cross the only way you can follow jesus is first deny yourself pick up your cross and follow him but what if the cross is taken off what will be the message like you what will be the message like the cross is taken out and the message will be about you how you can do well in life brother those churches are packed those pastors are superstars because nobody has to hide from anybody i am okay you are okay when you stand before god nobody is okay are you getting it because the word of god exposes us the preacher may have no clue at all what is happening 
but the word of God goes because the spirit of God only bears witness to the word of God. He does not bear witness to the word of man. Okay, that's why we have all this up there. That like Paul said, your faith should not stand on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. God's power cannot be detached from his word. So there we are. So in verse 11 of Genesis 3, God asked the second question. What is the question? Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? Very important. Who told you? If you are walking in sin, God will ask you, who told you are righteous? If you are walking in faith, God will ask you, who told you you are condemned? Be very careful that you are listening to God's voice. It is God who declares you are righteous. God who declares you are unrighteous. So he can say, ask both. So in Romans 8, he will say, who is that he condemns? For it is Christ who justifies. Be very sure it is Christ who justifies. Okay, we don't have to go there. I'm talking about, this is the most important question he asks man. Who told you? When it comes to choices, who told you? Because everything, everything that we do is always connected to a voice. And then multiple voices after that, that keeps on adding to it. That's why we want followers on social media. We put junk, some junk up there, 50 people put high and good and hearts that float around and we feel somebody agree to me when what your all actual thesis may be false. Otherwise, how can have what uh, these people who sing in the West, they're practically junkies, have 20 million followers and all. You look at their lyrics and their words and their actions and their life who would want to follow them? But why do people follow them? Because in some way, they sanction something in you. You are not following them. You are following yourself. Please remember, you are not following them. You are following yourself, your choices. So God asks this question. Who told you? Okay, who told you? So God always comes and tries to speak. Usually he tries to speak to a person before you goof up. So to Cain he says, why are you angry? Why are you angry? Because I know where this will lead. Okay, why has your countenance fallen? Okay, that countenance fallen is for my sake. Why are you angry is for Cain's sake. Because he knows later pastors like us will use. He doesn't know the anger in you. Uh, he can't see the anger in you, but he can see the expression on your face. So he tells pastor, when somebody comes here like this, remember they fought at home and came. So ask them, why are you angry? How did you know? Because your countenance had fallen. Okay. God thinks everything ahead of time. Okay. Everything. Okay. So, did Cain change his way? Or, okay, thank you, I got warning. He didn't. He listened to another voice. Another voice which shifted the blame. Basically, God said, if you do right, what is right, won't you also be accepted? So the premise is that he did right, you did wrong. So what did you do? He killed the one who did right. So he killed the one. So only when only there are two people, 
two people. If you kill the one that is right, then there is only one left. Ultimately, now you have to accept me because you have no choice. God says, I always have a choice. He killed his brother. Okay, he killed his brother. Okay, killed his brother. And if you come to chapter 4 and verse 10, He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So even dead people speak. Blood has a voice. Primarily meaning life is in the blood. And your life will speak. So even though he's dead, Abel speaks. Two, Abel has two voices. One is that by faith, he speaks to us. And his blood speaks, cries out to God for vengeance. The blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. Doesn't ask for vengeance, it asks for mercy. Okay. So you need to realize there are so many voices that speak. You need to look at blood as life. Because Leviticus it says, life is in the blood. That is why I have given you blood for atonement. So blood is equal to life. Okay, blood is equal to life. So when you harm somebody, when you harm someone with your words or with your actions, you actually harm somebody. Okay? What it has cost them is a part of your life, their life. And their life cries out to God. You read the book of James and all the God talks about the cries of so many people coming to God. And God says those voices will speak against you that day. Against you that day. Okay. Like I keep telling you always, I keep telling you, even this week I told you, nothing in life is free. Even if you got it free. Somebody's life was involved in it. See, when I used to minister with to the youth, the other countries and all of those. These are kids in those countries and I used to ask them, which class are you in? Mm. Class 9. What kind of a phone are you holding? Smartphone. How much did it cost? 15k. Who bought it for you? Dad bought it for you. How much does your dad earn? 30k. That is 15 days of his life. Did you earn it? Do you need it? Why did he give it to you? Because you must have made his life miserable. You're not owning and holding an object. You're owning 15 days of your father's life. Do you value it that way? And you're very careful steward of it? Because it cries out to me from the ground. Okay. So voices are not simple things. Not simple things. Because you will never make a choice. Make a choice. Unless you have listened to some voice. Okay. And when we are going another way, away from God, we gather many voices to support our actions. About God, God said you need only at the maximum two witnesses. You want to go further? Three. That is enough. Two verses that supports what God has said. It is enough third. But that's not usually with sin. You need many followers. Thirty-eight years this man was sitting by the poolside. Do you want to get well? 
you know, every time the angel comes in church, it's somebody else. So how many people got ahead? 37 people are at fault. So you can count how many people? 37 people. Now this is the 38th year. I'm still waiting. Jesus is asking, I didn't ask you any of that. I asked this, do you want to be made whole? Because it's in your hands. It is in nobody else's hands. So on Sunday we heard about choices. We do not realize the seriousness of choices. Turn with me to Luke 19. Verse 28 onwards. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany and the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a called tide, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were losing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you losing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. They threw their own clothes on the colt. They set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In other words, Hosanna. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And then he talks about what will happen. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build it embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and destruction will happen. Alright? Verse 44. And level you and your children within you to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to dry out those who bought and sold in it. Okay, we'll, we'll just stop there. So we go back to verse 28. In this incident, Jesus is going to Jerusalem and he tells his disciples, go to that town, you'll find a donkey there and there is a young one of a donkey which nobody has ridden. Now what you need to do, he says, is untie the colt. When you untie the colt, if somebody asks, tell them. What is that you have to tell them? The Lord has need of it. So when these people go, the first person they will encounter is the owner of the donkey. Or in this case, owners of the donkey. And the question is, why are you untying my donkey? 
His concern is, it is my donkey. Why are you untying it? And the answer should be, the Lord has need. The first fundamental statement is, the voices that tell us that we own things when we own nothing. Naked I came. Naked I go. I own nothing. You own nothing. So whenever the voice, whenever you feel you own something, what happens when the Lord needs it? What will your answer be? Our issue with possessions. That is our issue. We all own many things, though we don't own anything. God in his kindness and mercy gives it to us, including time. That's why I said time is a gift. Time is a gift. We got 24 hours today. I mean, we, we are not sure we'll last 24 hours, but we still believe we have 24 hours. How did that come? I think Siri is being naughty. Those Siri is at home. Then verse 34, the disciples gave an answer. The Lord has need of it. Understand one thing. Everything in life is temporal. Yesterday is gone. God needed my yesterday. God needed your yesterday. Well, the question is, could somebody untie it? And use it for God. It's gone. It's gone. It's not in my hands. Will the temporal hold back the eternal? And the voice of the temporal holds back so many. We don't realize our whole life is temporal. Eternity is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Okay. Then the actual honor will turn up. In a fraction of a second, we'll stand before the actual honor and realize I owned nothing. Everything he owned. The breath I have, he owned. It was not mine. How do you know? Because you are able to speak because there is breath. You will have to give account for every word. What did you say? What you did not say? Commission and omission. Every act you have to give. No, this is, don't get scared, but also get scared. Healthy dose of fear we should always have when it regards to God. Because Jesus said, do not fear him who can kill your body. And then it's done. Fear him. Fear him. Who can take your body and soul and throw it into hellfire. Healthy dose of fear is very good for digestion. You will, you will walk well with God. So everything will have to give account. Everything will have to give. That's how we live life. That's what Paul will say. Redeem the time. For the days are evil. How did the days become evil? Because evil has voices. Evil has voices. Evil does not have voices, then evil is not evil. It has no power to control your thinking. Cause you to make choices. Evil has choices. 
good has choices. That's why God said, don't eat of that tree. Because it doesn't come as one package good only. It comes as a double package, good and evil. And the problem is you cannot have, you cannot handle evil. You cannot handle evil. Don't eat of it. Because the problem is the minute you eat of it, you will split. You will split. Every human being is a split human being. Two natures, good and evil. And the evil wins. Left alone, good will never win. Evil will win. The only purpose of law is to keep evil in check. But law will never win. Evil will always prevail. If law can cause good to prevail, Jesus doesn't have to die. On the other hand, what we see is law is being added, 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 added. Some clause, clause, subsection, subsection. Any sector you take, law is only increasing. Income tax. Increasing, 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 increasing. Because every loophole to escape, they are shutting, shutting, shutting. Because crooked minds are okay. Section, I can evade tax here also. Cyber security, cyber laws, cyber laws, cyber laws, cyber laws. The woman was very safe as long as she was at home. Then she went to the workplace where men are there. The number of laws has to be made and added to protect the woman in the man's workplace. See, at home she was safe because only her husband and sons were there. But in the workplace, many husbands and many sons are there. So how many laws have to be made? Now you ask me this question, is man fundamentally good? No, he's fundamentally evil. Psychologists will say one thing, but don't listen to them. Listen to what the word of God says. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. That's the problem with man. Two choices. And we'll always go with them. You don't have to do anything with children. Leave them alone, they'll become evil. No child chooses good on its own. Right from the beginning. As soon as it is born. It's not, oh, my mother, poor thing, after eight hours of labor, give her letter rest. Starts wailing. Feed me. I don't care about your labor. No compassion. Nothing in that baby. You will say, so cute. Look, so cute, shaped in sin. That's the truth. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. That is the truth. One thing outwardly cute. Inwardly, there is nothing. You leave it alone. Leave it alone. You will see how they turn up. Okay, so don't put your trust in the law. So there is the temporal that causes us. That's why in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, Jesus will say, do not love the world. Why? The world is full of voices. The world is full of voices. Full of voices. Or the things in the world. Everything has its own voice. You think so? Of course it has. If you have iPhone, let us say, 8. And Pastor Vijay has iPhone 12. A voice rings in your mind. (laughs) Those 7 is God's number and perfect. It says, I am not worthy, that is 12. Two iPhones, it's not just ringtones. Two iPhones have two different voices. That's why God says, don't love. Don't love. You love the world or the things of the world. 
it will draw you away from the voice of God. Then the love of the Father is not in him. It simply, it just chokes it away. It just chokes it away. That's the problem with things. You know, like, I'll be moving there next week. Got it all cleaned and ready and all. So, Ma asked me yesterday, how do you like it? I said, one day. I said, temporal things should give you joy only for one day. One day, matra. Not two days. If it gives you two days, trouble will begin. Not more than one day. Enjoy everything for one day. And after that, put it aside and say, I will not let you come between me and my God. I am called to love him with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength, all my soul. You, one day. If you are worth one day. Some things are not even worth one day. Why? Because you always have to remember, what is it going to cost me? Let me ask you this question. Simple question. Girls are here. So it's nice to talk to girls. Not you. You're not girls. You're papas, okay? But the older sisters here, okay? Uh, this is the <laughs> judgment we pronounce on you on wedding day, right? Until death do part. It's a judgment. <laughs> Imagine the judgment is pronounced on your wedding day. And you get married and you reach home. After two days, you realize the man you married, there is no more wicked man than him. What is your life going to be like? You realize, you know what? I don't love him. I can't love him. How will you live with him for the rest of a year? And there is no escape clause. What will you do? Think about it. What will be your life like? Miserable, right? Think about it. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. And if you can't, how will you live with Him in eternity? The problem is not with Him. The problem is with us. So you need to realize why Paul will say in the letter to Corinthians, if anyone does not love Christ Jesus, let him be cursed. Maranatha come Lord Jesus. For you to be... See, people will on their own go to hell. Nobody has to send them. Because they don't want to live with Jesus. God doesn't even have to send them. They will go on their own. And light comes. Darkness flees. Darkness never stands in the presence of light. And if I am darkness and he is light, God doesn't have to do anything. I will flee. That's what Adam and Eve did. The first time darkness got in, when he came, they fled. The previous day, that in all those days before, there was no flea because he was light and they were light and they were walking in the light. They had fellowship with him and they had fellowship with one another. The minute darkness came in, fellowship with one another stopped because now they are covering from each other and they are hiding from God. All because one voice they listened, which was contrary to the voice of God. That's what God is talking about here. Because the voice of the flesh listens to the voice of the world and the things of the world. I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise, use it when you're buying an object. Be smart. 
Okay, because you are putting in money, which is life, in investing something, be a good investor. Look at what you are going to buy and invest well so that it gives you good service and lasts long. Be wise. Okay, that's using life properly. Honoring the life which God has given us. So anything that you buy, anything that you buy, always remember that way. Because if you buy, take that money and buy something that is cheap but looks good, you will have to keep on buying the same product over and over again. And you are not being a good steward. You are being a foolish steward. So I am not talking about buying things or not buying things. I am talking about not loving. Because that's the nature of love. One love will eat another love. When all our young ladies have their firstborn babies are all born, if you ask many of the mothers, ask them what is the one I told them. I tell them, your baby is not your husband. You have a baby, baby needs all your attention. You may think, don't neglect your husband. He's the one you married. The babies will grow. They will go one day. Your husband will be left with you. Learn never to neglect your husband. Because the love of one will take the love of another. Learn to balance. The love for my child will never cause a wall to come. Because everybody wants attention. Sometimes you go to houses and you see lost men. They are lost. Wife is forgotten there is such a man. The only time she remembers is bring that nappy, bring that this thing, hold this baby for two minutes. He suddenly realized, what happened to me? A few weeks ago, she was waiting for me. When are you coming? When are you coming? When are you coming? Everything is ready. Two weeks later, come here. You are, you are, you are attendant now. What happened? I'm telling you how relationships break down. Because that's the nature how God has created. And if that is so with a person in the house, imagine how it is with God. That's why God says, you know what? See me in terms of eternity. I'm your eternal father. I'm your eternal spouse. I'm your eternal family. You neglect me. Nothing happens to me. What happens is to you. Nothing happens to God. Nothing we do is going to affect God. Affects all of us. You see, all this uh, happens if you go to verse 30 of Luke 19 uh, and verse 30. All this is happening because he said, go. He's speaking to his disciples. And he commands them, go. It is not easy to follow God. It's not easy. Don't think. Unless you believe and trust him, it is not easy. Because the donkey is not his. Nor is theirs. Though it is his, the owner doesn't know it. The only way you can obey by God is that 
Once he has spoken, something has happened on the other side. When the owner asks, why are you untying my donkey? This is what you need to say. The Lord needs it. That means something has happened. Okay. So unless you believe, you cannot obey God. Go to chariot. I have commanded ravens to feed you. Never has happened in human history, before or after. We are trying to search. But in Noah's case, the raven never came back. But that's only one witness. You need two witnesses. There's no second witness. You're very clear, God spoke to you. Go. You can only go by faith. Go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow. I've told a widow to feed you. Poor widow to feed you. So it begins everywhere there. It all begins. Okay. You have the voice of God who has spoken to you a very specific thing. We are called to obey. And when we hear and obey, you will see things happening exactly as he said. You go there, untie the donkey. The owner says, why are you untying my doggy? You already have been given an answer. The answer is the Lord needs it. And their response is exactly what he said. Nobody objects. But the problem is, when you hear his voice, will you obey? We are waiting for the results before it happens. It says it does not happen. It does not happen. And therefore, we don't experience anything. The voice of the owner. Right? You go to the voice of the owner. Okay, that's not... Uh, 31 is what Jesus is saying. But what is the voice? What does your honor ask? Honor asks this question. Why? Why? Whenever you are the honor of yourself, you will always ask, why should I do it? Even a child, the father or the mother asks, if it is self-willed child, will say, why should I do it? Or why should I do it now? Okay, I agree I have to do it. Otherwise, a cane will come. But why should I do it now? Why should I do it? Why should I do it now? Why should I do it this way? Why can't I do it? That's the most biggest problem with uh, most children like me with math. Why should steps be there? Why can't I just have the answer? (laughs) But math is an exact science. Because this is the problem. When the math teacher corrects your paper, the question is there, the answer is there, steps are not there. Where did you get the answer from? (laughs) Because you copied only the answer from next door. (laughs) The steps were there. So this question, why will always come? Whenever we ask this question, why? Remember, you are the honor. Once you know God is the honor, there is no why. The question is, what should I do? Who are you? Jesus of Nazareth, ownership, understood. You are Jesus and you are Lord. Next question is not why. What should I do? Not like Gideon. Oh, mighty man of God. Then why are we like this? (laughs) 
Gideon does not say, what should I do? He says, if you are God and we are favored, then why is our condition like this? Meaning the problem is with you. Turn with me, let me find that. I'm, if I'm right, it's... Uh, no, 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 not there about Gideon. Psalm 81, uh, 11 and 12 or 13 and 14. Just give me a second, I'll get, give it here. Psalm 81. Psalm 81. Ten, eleven, twelve, and thirteen, and fourteen. Powerful verses. Another day I will preach on this. Okay, not today. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide. I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice. And Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me and that Israel would walk in my ways. What would I do? I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Why are you not able to overcome sin? Because you will not listen to my voice. You're listening to other voices. So you know what? You're always playing defeat. On the other hand, what I'm saying is, you listen to my voice, open your mouth wide. I will fill it with good things. The history of Israel is the history of the church and the history of individuals. This is God. And God says, my people would not listen to me. Not listen to me. Only if you had listened to me. So if I did not listen to him, that means I listened to somebody else or something else. And what happens? Your enemies subdue you. That's another day. Okay? Not today. So the owner will always ask this question, why? Because we think we own. A man who has understood God is the owner does not, even if he asks why, the only reason he asks why is to understand, Lord, did I make any mistakes so that I can correct? But he does not claim ownership. When Job loses everything in one day, his response is, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be thee. It's all his. He has the right to give it or to take it. Not his wife. Wife said, curse God and die. She took ownership. Okay. Then after that, all the questions Job asks is basically a question, did I go wrong anywhere? Right? Because there is this theology in so many ways which is true. What you sow, you reap. What goes around, comes around. All that is there. It is there. It's a facts. But the whole question he is asking is that, if I reaped this, what did I do? Okay? The question, answer is, he didn't do anything. It's his children who did. Okay? And God allowed that heads to be taken off and Satan to attack. The end was better. But God doesn't just blame him actually. Okay, he was self-righteous. Leave it alone. But this question when you ask why, you have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Because why is the, why is the response of the honor? We own nothing. We honor. That's why Jesus said the very simple thing is that after you have done everything, your response should be, what am I? I'm an unprofitable sir. Unprofitable. What profit can we bring to God? 
You can bring profit to your parents. You can bring profit to your family, to your company, to everything else you can profit. One person, you can add nothing to his God. Okay? So remember this question. But we should give credit to the owner because he released the donkey. And the cult. The question is, will we? Will we release? It's Martin Luther who said, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, I still possess. And if he asks you why, what is your response? You should say, the Lord has. What does Paul tell us in Romans 12.1? Why? The Lord has need of it. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of the Lord. What he does he want us to offer? Our bodies. Why? The Lord has need of it. Offer your mind. Why? The Lord has need of it. Have you ever thought about it? The Lord has need of my body. The Lord has need of my mind. Everybody's. The Lord has it. But will we take ownership and say, no, I will give this time to you, but the rest is mine. Honestly, think for a minute. Can God say anything to you? Anything to you? Or we are very clear, you can tell me certain things, rest, leave it alone, I won't do it. And God still waits. And people ask, why is God not using me? God says, you cannot be used. You are still the owner. So what are you doing then? I am just still serving you. You are the owner, I am the servant. I am still serving you. My rain falls on the just and the wicked. God is still a servant. His nature never changes. He's a servant king. He still serves because we are honors. The minute we stop being an honor, become a servant, he says, now I can use you. I can use you. Okay. That is how it works. That is how it works in the kingdom. The Lord has need of it. And then in verse 37 and 38, you have the voices of the disciples. It's a crowd. All kinds of disciples are there. Okay, this are. Whole multitude. They started to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Loud voice. What are they basically saying? Hosanna. Hosanna. We also sing Hosanna. Hosanna, King, Hosanna, Lord, all that words he used. You know what Hosanna means? Save us. That's what Hosanna means. Save us. But the unsaid statement in our heart is that save us now. The question is, when he doesn't save you now, what happens? Release Barabbas. All the Hosannas in a few days will say, crucify him. What happened to your Hosannas? Because he did not save you. Why? I always tell, why is that people never consistently pray? There are only two reasons. One, he answered your prayer and after that you don't need him. Or he did not answer your prayer, so I don't need him. Your Hosanna was no different than the Hosanna of the first crowd. Save me now or I will find somebody else. See, you need to realize why the Bible says that Jesus wouldn't commit himself into anybody's hands. Can he trust us? Because we believe him because it is written over there. They saw his mighty works. 
And what does it say in the gospel according to John? He came to Jerusalem. He did his mighty works. And many believed in him. But he would commit himself. He will never commit himself into the hands of a man who has believed in him because they saw his works. He will only commit himself into the hands of a man who has surrendered to him because he says, you are Lord, I am your servant. He says, I commit myself into your hands. Does not work other way. And we're talking about moving ahead with God. Moving ahead. He cannot. Honestly, he cannot. He cannot. He cannot. How can he, how can he trust us? Right? John chapter 2, verse 23, 24. Now when he was in Jerusalem at Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when he saw the signs which he did. In verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. John chapter 6, verse 15. And verse 26. Right? Therefore, when Jesus pursued that they were about to make him come and take him by force to make him king, he departed. He just walked away, went to the mountain by he didn't even take the disciples along. Why are they so forced? Because they all ate five five loaves of bread, five thousand plus people ate, and they wanted to make him king. In verse twenty six, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Why do we seek him? Why do we seek? So don't get fooled. Don't get fooled. Our hearts he sees. The motives he sees. Beyond. He sees beyond. Everything he sees. Now he's not condemning us. He's saying, you know what, you go this way. The worst thing that can happen to you in life is that you go through life without experiencing me. And we don't even see it as loss. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Arundhati, 1 to 4. Okay? Where do wars and fights come from, from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not. And verse 3, but you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And then he uses the word adulterers and adulteresses. With whom? With the world. He says, most of your prayers, he says, has got nothing to do with me. It has got to do with the world and your own self. It's a story about a little boy. It was his mother's birthday. So he went to a shop and he says, I want to buy a cookie jar for my mother. So the shopkeeper is a little fellow and said, wow, what a nice boy for his mother. He wants to buy a gift for his mother. So, so many cookie jars were there and he was watching him. This boy was going, taking each cookie jar and checking, 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 checking it till the last. Then he asked, is there any cookie jar where the lid goes quietly, silently? Even when he is buying a gift for his mother, he's not buying it for her, he's buying it for himself. So that when he steals the cookie and puts it back in, the mother shouldn't hear. So God says, you're just like that. All these high funda prayers and in the name of Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about me. 
So you will say, Hosanna, son of David, king of peace. What happened in Hosanna a few days later? I will save you, he says, but not from what you think. You want me to save you from the Romans. I want to save you from the power of sin. That's the problem. That's the problem. We don't want to be saved from the Romans. We just don't want them ruling over us, that's all. Romans are not a problem. The Romans are not the problem. If the Romans are nice, we like the Romans. It's the hardship of the Romans only we don't like. We love sin. We don't like the consequences. Please take the consequences away. I mean, if they are fighting for abortion as a right, what are they actually fighting for? We just want sex without consequences. So, how to deal with consequences is abortion. And I, 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 I can choose. I have, the, I have the right to choose. I can choose as a woman at any time of the pregnancy, even up to the ninth month. We want that right. And in some states, beyond that also. Okay, I went through labor or the baby is born. Now I don't want the baby. Let it die on the table. Babies die on the table. You need to realize when you start choosing and making choices for this self, how far it will go. Both ends of the spectrum. One is the babies. The other is the old people. What is euthanasia? The killing of the old people. They are of no use. Let them die. Sweden, you cannot have a special needs baby. It's about it automatically. Are these supposedly Christian nations? You need to realize where we will ultimately end in our choices. Where will we end in our choices? In our, in our desire to please self. The minute we hear the devil's voice, self rises up. That's how we are born. And that's where the issue comes. The voice of the multitudes. Voice of the multitudes. That's what Jesus is actually actually talking about. If you turn with me to Matthew 13 and verse 23 and 24. Uh, I'm sorry, not Matthew 13, Matthew 7, I think. Matthew 7. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, now he's talking about, how can he tell? Depart at that time. How can he tell, depart? He says, you sir, he's saying that, you know. He's not talking to Gentiles, by the way. He's talking to Christians. He says, all these years, you were in church, but you never listened to my voice. You never listened to my voice. You were in church, you were very religious, but you never listened to my voice. Because they come and tell him, Lord, Lord. If you turn with me to that verse which I gave you a couple of days back, First Peter chapter 4, 17 and 18. 
For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. For if it begins with us first, so Paul is putting us, us first. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers, saved people. So saved people get judged while living. And then he says, but if the righteous one is scarcely saved, so the righteous are the saved. He's not talking about unrighteous people. But they will be scarcely saved. There will be very few actual overcomers in eternity. Because it's very difficult even to save the righteous. Because their self-will. Self-will. That's what it's talking about. Even the righteous, it's very difficult. Something will be there. Either emotion will be there, voice of emotion will speak, voice of reason will speak, all kind of things will speak. And then there is this voice of God is very simple, very clear. God never speaks uh, which, which confuses you. The word of God is very simple and very clear. Okay, Like uh, I said yesterday, no? I see a, uh, 51 and verse 2. Okay, or 1 and 2. Okay, it's very simple. Very, very simple. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you are heaven. To the hole of the pit from which you are down. Look to Abraham, your father. And to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone. That's the key. I called him. But who all went with him? His father went with him. His nephew went. But did God call them? No. But why did he take them? Why did he take? God didn't call Terah. God only called Abraham. But he took his father with him. That's why if you read the record in Genesis 11, it is written, uh, Terah took his son Abraham. So the father is leading, not the son. The father was never called. The son was called. So you what happens? The father will not lead him into the promised land. And God will not allow it to happen. Because he listened to a voice that was not included. That's not included. Is father wrong? No. But father becomes wrong when the voice of the father contradicts the voice of God. It is the same God who said, honor your father and mother. You need to rely. I always ask this question. To parents, when they tell me, you know, when they have issue with their children following God. So I said, what's your issue? No, doesn't God say honor your father and mother? I said, exactly, you answered. Who said honor your father and mother? Who said honor your father and mother? God said, right? Who said? God said. He's the ultimate authority. God said. Right. So when God says, leave your father, then you have to tell, without dishonoring them, Daddy, I need to leave. I need to go. I need to go. God has spoken to me. There's no room for emotions or reason there. Faith does not is not led by reason or emotion. Faith is simply led by the voice of God and the word of God. Does not disrespect the person, but it obeys only God. That's the issue over here. That's our issue because we will all face it somewhere. If you haven't moved with God, just go back and say, where you disobeyed God and it stopped there and you're not going any further. Because God of Abraham never changes. And Abraham is stuck in Haran. We do not know how many years he is stuck in Haran 
until his father died. What does that mean? The voice stopped speaking. When a man dies, his voice stops speaking. Now, Abraham's father is no longer speaking to him. And then God is able to speak to him. The second time is when God is appearing. The first time was in the Arab, the Chaldeans. The second time is in Haran. God says, leave your country and go to the land I am showing you. Now he enters in the promised land. Then there is an altar. Then God meets him. Then God gives him promises. Why was there no altar earlier? There must have been an altar in Ur. There must have been an altar in Haran. It's not mentioned. Because you cannot worship two people at the same time. You cannot obey two voices at the same time. The minute you have obeyed two contradictory voices, the altar has ceased in your life. There is no altar. There is no prayer life. There is no sacrifice. So altars in Abraham's life is mentioned only when that voice ceases. Voice ceases. Okay. So that's how it works. That's how, like I said, Christ does not come to condemn. He comes to save us. He comes to save us. That's why he's saying, very few can be actually be saved from self. Can be saved from self. That is the cross. What happens on the cross? The cross is the instrument by which yourself dies. And then God's will becomes your will. But God's will can never become my will until I die to my will. Because there is always my will. That's why God puts it before and says, you choose. And I and you have to choose every day God's will over my will. Starting early morning. The first is the voice of flesh. Sleep half an hour more. It's a voice. It's got a voice. And then you have to choose in your will. Am I going to put my feet on the ground and get up or not? And you obeyed the will and you got up. The flesh did not win. Immediately reason begins. You didn't check news. Maybe between the time you slept last night and this morning, great events would have taken place. Now reason is speaking just to take your mind off God. So people go to news portals first and not to the word. And God is still waiting. Still waiting. You have woken up. The God who neither sleeps nor slumbers is watching over you, watching over you, going out, coming in to speak to you. But wait, emotions, reason, everything playing its part. These are all voices. Okay. But when the Son of Man came, the Bible says, early in the morning, when it is still dark, what does he do? His book says, he goes to a deserted place to pray. Why deserted place? Where there will be no other voices that disturb him. Because they are all crowded. That's how it will be like a room like this. And all of them will be sleeping in the same pallet on the mat. Who? Oh, Jesus here, Peter there, John there, all of them. Imagine Jesus starts praying. All of them will say, ah, all kinds of this. No, let me go alone and speak to my father. These people will disturb me and I will disturb them. They are not interested. They are not interested. But I have to hear from my father. That's how it works. That's how it works. These patterns cannot change. Patterns cannot change. You look at any person in the Bible. Any person in the Bible who was used by God, the only reason they were used by God is because they heard God speak to them. And they obeyed. And then things changed. So, we can't take this out because there are so many voices. Verse 39. Luke 18. Then comes the voice of the religious zealots. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. That's the voice of religion. You may think they are truly spiritual. They are not. They are not spiritual at all. It is nothing about God. It is about themselves. 
the problem is, if they cry Hosanna to him, then what will they do? Religion gone, no? Because every many places where Paul was persecuted, they said, you know what, if this guy's message goes across, then our business will shut down. What business does the church have? Not church. What does business does religion have? That is why the gospel of Christ is hated by religion. Because the gospel of Christ is free. What do you have to do? Like we have all these cases going on in all over. Now suddenly every court is putting in this case like this was earlier a temple and the Muslim. All these places of worship, this is going on. Okay. Now one set of people, it should never affect is us. Because we are not connected with a place. We are connected with a person. So for us, it does not matter. Wherever we gather in his name, it becomes holy ground. So we don't have to worry if bulldozers come and break down our churches. We don't have to worry. We can stand on the road and pray God comes. But the problem is, if that becomes the truth, then what happens to religion? Religion is the biggest business on planet Earth. Biggest business. A multi-trillion dollar business. Huge business. Any religion. It's big business. The amount of money that flows in through these places. Huge business. The problem is the gospel comes business stops. That's why they say, tell them to stop praising. When addressing the Pharisees, the religious zealots, Jesus never, never, never minced words. They are not bothered about offense. Honestly, they were so offended. That's why they wanted to kill them. They were jealous and they were offended. Matthew 23, 16. Woe to you. What does he call them? Blind guides. 17. Blind fools. 23. Hypocrites. And finally, the icing on the cake. 33. Serpents. Not ordinary serpents, but there are poisonless serpents. You are brood of vipers. His, his severest condemnation was always reserved for the religious type. Is that it's true? You read that passage in Matthew 23. Eight times he calls them hypocrites. Five times he calls them blind. Two times he calls them fools. And what are they saying? Stop. God calls you names. Take it seriously. God calls you names. God calls names to the rich guy. In the night, probably he had a vision and a dream and God called him. You fool. Do you know this night you will have to give account for your soul. Don't get offended when God calls you names. When God confronts you, don't get offended. So the voices that tries to stop trace in your life. They just want religion. They just want religion. They just want the status quo. They don't want anything being shaken. Our homes are like that. Homes are like that. They want normal religion in the home. Don't shake me. The minute in a normal religious, Christian religious house, when one person in the house gets touched by God is on fire or God, all hell breaks loose over there. They will say, shut down. We don't want your praise here. We don't want your prayer here. We don't want your praise here. We don't want that. 
and the religious hypocrite in us comes out. We shut down them first. We don't want your place in this house. We just want religion. Because religion is a safety network. Though there is no life in it. Religion only demands conformity. God doesn't demand conformity. He says, each one is different. And I will call it. Religion will always try to shut down life. And God says, that is another voice in your life. Because the old man hates change. Unless the change suits him. Then there's the fourth voice, which is in verse 40. And he answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. He says, creation has a voice. Do you hear it? Did you hear the voice of the creation speaking about the creator? Romans 1.20 is the first doctrinal statement made by Paul. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You look at creation, you see the glory of the creator. You cannot worship creation. You know there is a creator behind. And our own sages have tried to put it across through so many different ways that don't worship creation, don't worship the sun, don't worship the stars, don't do this, this is all creation. Signifying the glory of an unseen creator. And simple stories they will try to put across to simple people. Because people need to be, that's why Jesus used simple stories. We all know a story about the man who had a pretty young daughter. He wanted to marry her off. So he said, I will marry her off to what? To the son. The son said, he's the most powerful. The son said, no, the clouds come and cover me. So he said, okay, then the cloud will marry her. The cloud said, no, the wind comes and blows me off. He said, okay, then the wind will marry my daughter. The wind said, no, the mountain, I cannot move. And he said, then I will marry her to the mountain. The mountain said, no, look at this hole in the side. These rats have made so many holes in my side. So he said, okay, then I will marry her to the rat. The rat said, I'm scared of the cat. Then he went to the cat and said, cat, will you marry my daughter? The cat said, I'm scared of that man. He said, okay, finally, I'll marry her to a man. Why were they telling all these things, stories? He says, you don't understand there's an unseen creator. They're still searching and missing it out. And that's why the Bible says he will hand them over. Even though they had the knowledge of God. All of creation displays the glory of God. All of creation. And that's this another voice. When you woke up in the morning, you know, when you, I mean, Hyderabad is very difficult because you, even if you go to the top of the terrace, all you see is stone structures, uh, concrete structures. But otherwise, like our brother Prem is out on, uh, on a trip. He's driven all the way to Kashmir and all back. So if you see his DP, you look at the glory of God's creation. Mountains and the lakes and the forests and the sunrise and the sunshed. When you look at it, what do you see? You don't see God. How do you know you don't see God? Because all you want to do is take a selfie. You put yourself in, along with God's creation, magnify yourself and you post it. So you worship, not God's God. You worship yourself. Some of the ones whom I can speak to, like my children, my children means spiritual children, I'll always put a bab. You spoil that picture. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't. Why do we call it selfie? <laughs> it's a very valuable question. What comes in a selfie? Self comes in a selfie. All 
creation. Declares the glory of God. And God says there is another voice. If you don't praise me, rocks will praise me. And the rocks is the basic, most common, ugly looking thing of creation. That was my first impression, 1991 June, the 5th, 6th morning, when my train, Sabri Express, entered near Hyderabad, I looked. My gosh, this is a city I don't want to be in. Rocks, rocks, rocks. And here I am. <laughs> in the midst of the rocks. Why? I had to listen to another voice. This is where you have to stay. The most ugly of things are rocks. But it says even the rocks praise me. The rocks praise me. God says, see it's a natural response of man to praise. You can't help praising. If you don't praise God, you will praise somebody else. Ultimately, if you don't, you will praise yourself. Why do why do people say such in God of cricket? I mean, it's just praising his game. You can't help it. Animals don't go around praising others. We say lion, king of the jungle. Did the lion say that? Have you seen some of the animal geographic videos where the lion is being chased by a cat? No, you can see a wild boar chasing you know, the lion, the lion running for its life. We call him lion of the king of the jungle. We said it, he didn't say it. He doesn't take a selfie or any of those things. That is how it works. We were created to praise. We're created to praise. If we don't praise, there are other voices that will praise. So there are voices that rise to shut down the praise of God. And there are voices that tell us, why don't you magnify? He says, even the rocks praise me. What about you was made in my image? Do you praise me? Do you thank me? The so simple question is, the Bible says, all that has breath, praise the Lord. Psalm 139 verse 14. When you look into your mirror, or you look at an x-ray film, or an MRI report, I will praise you. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't think in anything on planet earth can beat the human body. Impossible to beat the human body, God's creation. We still haven't discovered it. And the psalmist understands some of it. And he says, you know what? When I understand how my body functions and the, the body, imagine what did he understand about the body? Nothing. We understand the human body and Dr. Richard in us understands us better than we do. What is this? I will praise you. For I am fearfully, wonderfully made. You need to be really, I mean God is absolutely right when he says the fool has said in his heart there is no good. To be an atheist, it takes incredible faith. He's a total idiot. He just rented out his brains. So God says, praise should be a natural response. So let everything that has breath, his, what do you use your voice for? Whose voice did you hear? Whose voice did you hear? Then voice. Verse 41. The voice of Jesus. <clears throat> he saw the city and he wept. He wept. Why is he weeping? Why is he weeping? He's saying, all these days, I was inviting you, come, come, 
Now that's almost over. Now I know. Because you rejected my voice. What is going to happen to you? Now everything that will happen to us or anybody is a result of rejecting God's voice. As simple as that. If only you had known. Even you. Especially in this your day. The things that make for your peace. But now. But now. What is that? They're hidden from your eyes. What is God trying to say? God says, if you keep on rejecting, 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 rejecting my voice, one day the voice will cease. The day the voice ceases, truth is hidden from your eyes. Even if you are going headlong into hell, you will not know it until it happens. You will not know it. You will sit in church absolutely comfortable without knowing you are going to hell because you rejected my voice. Because the only voice that can tell you where you are going is the voice of God. The rich man did not know. The rich fool did not know. None of them knew. Why? Because they had consistently silenced the voice of God. The voice of God had told, this is what you need to do. Don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. But we kept on ignoring that voice. We continued comfortably with religion. The voice stopped. It's a voice. The Holy Spirit is a person who actually lives in you and speaks to you. That is your confidence. You cannot put your confidence in anything. How do you know you are saved? Because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit who is a person. What should we do? Repent. Be baptized. What will you receive? The gift of the Spirit. That is the proof. Everything else is on my side. I am repenting. I am putting faith in Jesus Christ. I am getting baptized. I am listening to doctrine. I am fellowshipping. But what is from God's side? The Spirit of God. So my evidence is not what I do. My evidence is what is from God and the Spirit speaks. So all the warnings in the new covenant is with only the Holy Spirit, not even with the Father or the Son. There's the sins against the Father. The Son also will be forgiven. But he said, be very careful about my Spirit. Be very careful about my Spirit. Don't grieve Him. Don't quench Him. Don't lie to Him. Don't test Him. Finally, don't blaspheme Him. Because if He stops, who will speak to you? Why did Israel wander in the desert for 40 years and die in the desert? Because they grieved his spirit. They grieved his spirit. God was still taking care of them. Outwardly, clothes did not wear off. Nobody feeble. Sandals did not wear off. Cloud and cloud cover. Light, everything. But inside, the souls were drying up. Because the spirit stopped working inside. It worked from outside. It did not go in. God stopped. The spirit said, stop. This is what God is talking about. And the Holy Spirit is the voice of God. Jesus is the word of God. Holy Spirit, Ruah, means breath. And it is the breath that is bringing my sound to your ears. It's that it comes. And here's the voice. What happens if the voice stops? Like I said, look at your life like a pomegranate. So many parts. Whichever part the Holy Spirit has stopped speaking will die. Will die. You can have a tree. Nice green tree. One branch broken. And after some time that branch is dead. So you can have your life. Many parts may be dead in that life. Why? In those parts, the Holy Spirit stops speaking to you, saying, I won't speak to you about that again. I've told you, you know, you know it. I stopped speaking. And because you stopped speaking, and it doesn't bother us, we don't realize it is perishing. That area is dead. Children, that's how it happens. Because the invitation of God is always, come, come, come. Come to Isaiah chapter 1. 
verse 18 to 20. 18 to 20. Come now. Let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isn't that, can you reason? Can you reason? It's an invitation. Would you listen to what I'm saying? If you're willing and obedient, you listen to what I say, and you're willing and you will eat the good of the land, the life of Christ. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He has spoken. Everywhere that's the way. Even after you are saved. In the book of Revelation, the Bible is very clear that the bride made herself ready. It's our responsibility to make ourselves ready for Christ. And He will give us the commands. He will speak to us. But the question is, we, see, we will never be able to make those right choices until we decide one day. I'm putting God first. That itself is a choice. That's the first choice you have to make. I'm going to put God first. Once you have decided on that, the rest will follow. If you're trying to do all the other rest without having this core, without having this core. You see, when you have this core, God first. Then whenever you face an issue in life, you will always ask, what does God have to say about this? But that's not how people live their lives. God is there in their life. Many people, God is a big part in their life. But God is not first. So there are areas where they will make decisions where they will not allow God to speak. But who loses? God doesn't lose. I lose. But if you are a person who has put God first, even if you fall, and even if you fall terribly, you can be restored. All you need is a finger of God pointing at you and saying, you are that man. I am that man. And you revert back to your old status where God is first again. And you finish well. Why? Because he had put God first, right? Remember yesterday what I told you? First mention. What are the first words of David mentioned in the Bible? What will be given to this man who will take this reproach out of Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He who dare defy the armies of the living God. Look at him. Young boy who's come with bread and cheese to the battlefield. He's all zealous for God's name, God's people and God's nation. It's the first word. So he had put God first right as a teenager. Therefore he will end his life putting God first in his life. And he will not allow emotions or feelings to intervene in it. Even in his last days, you have one son called Adonijah, another son called Solomon. But God has said, Solomon shall be king. So he will hear the report. That fellow has proclaimed himself king. But that's your son. Sorry. Come here, Zadok. Come here. Proclaim Solomon as king. And he knows what it can happen. It could cause one son to die, but does not matter. This is God's will for me. It is Solomon who follows me, not Adonijah. Though Solomon is not the oldest, he's probably the youngest. Does not matter. My feelings don't matter in this. What matters is God first. That's what God is talking about. So there is this invitation. There is invitation. And God's voice comes to us. The final verse for today. Because we always have to Ask John 4.10, the temporal and temporal and the eternal. I want to read a real story. 4.10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. And to continuously being saved also is a gift. You just have to believe and obey and God will keep saving us. 
if you knew the gift of god and who it is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you a living water he says you're confused lady i'm asking you give me a cup of water and we are telling you have no rope and you have no this thing and all he says if you really know who is asking you for water you would ask him for water and the water he gives basically god is saying that if only you know who is asking you release this into my life release this minute the master needs it you know what you will say no lord take all of me you would know that's where your liberty lies if only you knew if only you knew who is asking you if only you knew what i'm asking we are very selective in things which we give god god says if only who knew who is asking you the master needs it you know what you will do you will realize it is for my benefit is asking me if i allow him the master will write me and i am free where the spirit is lord there is liberty there is only one place on planet earth where there is liberty in your life wherever the lordship the holy spirit has been established you check your life you are absolutely free there there is only one voice and no condemnation wherever the spirit is not lord you are still in slavery so when god says the lord needs it lord needs it he actually doesn't need it i need it i need it to hand it over to god so this morning we ask this question whose voice am i listening to ultimately whose voice will ultimately end listening now i want to read a story very interesting okay? real story because we need real stories right parables are there stories are there real story his name is john ponder he was a three time convicted felon was in solitary confinement at a prison in i think las vegas when a chaplain came by and tried talking to him through the flap in his door is in solitary confinement okay if you understand prison terms i called him every name in the book john said the chaplain slipped a bible through the flap and said jesus loves you john left the bible on the floor john grew up in new york with no father and found his identity in gangs drug addiction and crime my life just spiraled out of control he robbed a bank and found himself surrounded by police officers it was at that moment he said he heard god speaking to his heart and telling him everything would be okay he was awaiting sentencing when the chaplain came by out of boredom john picked up the bible something grabbed hold of me and i started reading and i couldn't put it down suddenly the influence of a godly grandmother in mississippi all came back to encourage him the chaplain dropping another book through the flap in john's door which was billy graham's autobiography just as i am It was the first book John ever read cover to cover. Another inmate before he left left his transistor radio to John. It would only receive one station, a Christian radio station. No, that's how evangelism is done. You give one program, one station radios to people. You tune in. That's the only one which you will hear. We do it in places up there in the uh, countries where I go and all, where people don't have electricity. It is uh, what you call it. What do you call? It? Uh, it's wound and the battery charges and they listen the entire gospel is recorded and given to them and they don't have batteries so they you wind it and you listen to it and it will be in their language so it's a strange thing for them they have never seen anything like that but they listen and what they hear is the gospel and they get saved only one station don't give the two station they will hear two voices one voice john soon heard the story of the prodigal son 
I stood up in that prison cell and I surrendered my life to Jesus. From then on, I have never looked back. Shackled in a tiny stainless steel holding cell, waiting to be called before the judge, John started talking to God. God, I know you are real. Go before me in that courtroom. That day, the judge said, do you have anything to say? John said, I am going to use every chance I have to change my life and be who God made me to be. I have been running from God my whole life, but now I have surrendered to him. The judge leaned back in his chair, removed his glasses, and he said, I have never heard anything like this. He was supposed to get 23 years behind bars. Instead, he got only five. And when he came out, John became the founder of Hope for Prisoners, a Las Vegas nonprofit working in seven institutions against Nevada. And President Donald Trump granted John a full pardon to John's complete surprise. I'm still overwhelmed about that. God said to me, this is great. But he says, remember, I pardoned you in that prison cell many, many years before. So something in our time. In our times, there is a God. And he speaks. And he speaks. When you listen to his voice and obey his voice, it doesn't matter how deep down you have gone down. He can change your life. He can change your life. He can turn a person like that who would have died. Most of our pastors here remember old days, still many of them alive, came out of prison like that. They heard the voice of God. One Bible was given, one transcend. We used to post it from Hyderabad to the prisons. We had the list of all the prisons in America and UK. And we used to post it from Bonvali um, Post Office to all these places. And the chaplains used to take it and give that sin iniquity transcript and a Bible. And they used to give it. And one of the reasons the prisoners used to say is that that was a simple newsprint transcript. All the magazines had come are glossy. This one let us read. And everyone got saved. And some of them came out. God supernaturally intervened. They had favor with the judge. They came out and they started and they became pastors. Many were died. Many were killed by gangs because of the gangs they had left earlier. But they served God and they died victoriously. You know why? Because there is a living God. And it is not that you cannot hear. Everybody hears. Everybody hears. But you are drowning that voice out. That voice out. Drowning that voice out. What drowns that voice out? It is the self. It is that self. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, you'll have to shut all those voices down. Deny yourself. What does that mean? What is denying yourself? No to all those voices. Pick up your cross. Pick up your cross and you follow me. Follow me. That's how it works. Amen? So this morning, let's pray. Because we'll have to choice between the, choose between the temporal and the eternal. In the temporal, there are a thousand voices. Eternal, it's always one voice. Doesn't shout, doesn't scream. It is like that same voice that Elijah heard on Mount Horeb. It's a soft voice. Soft voice. Okay, soft voice. It says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We pray, Father, that voice will never cease in our ears and our hearts. You will never stop speaking to us, Lord. I pray today, this fifth month, as we come to the end of this fifth month, today somewhere, somebody listening would decide, this is my day. Lord, I choose to surrender. I choose to surrender. I just give my life over, Lord. I am tired of having my own way. Yes, it brought me victory. 
But the price of victory was too much. It's sorrow, it's grief, it's loneliness, it's a bitter aftertaste. But today, Lord, I want to surrender to you and say, Lord, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. I want to follow you, Lord. It doesn't matter what happens in the temporal. If I follow you, I know what happens in eternity. Even in the temporal, I know you will turn my life around. My life will have meaning. My life will have purpose. Otherwise, early in the morning, I will rise. Late in the night, I will sleep. But there will be no rest. For God can give rest only to his beloved. I will watch, but I will not be able to protect. Because the enemy will come. He will steal. He will kill. He will destroy. For unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches, our life will be in vain. I pray today, Lord, you will start building in somebody's life. What you build, you watch over it like a hawk. Nothing, nothing that you build can be touched by time or eternity. Touch your people. Renew your people. Restore your people. It's the year of restoration. As you told in Psalm 81, if only you had listened to my voice, obeyed my commandments, I would have subdued your enemies before you. The enemies within and the enemies without. You would have subdued. Let today be a new day, a fresh beginning. For many, if not everyone, we will listen to your voice and obey your voice. And you will do the battles, for the battle belongs today. Fight our battles, Lord. All we can do is listen, obey, and follow. Thank you, thank you, Father. Rest of the day we commit into the hands. Evening Q&A we commit into the hands. Every child of yours commit into the hands. Be with us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.